We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Trades, Kevin Durant updates, Kyrie contract news. Let's get stuck in, Nick. So we're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, we start with the Kevin Durant update. We start with the Kevin Durant update because it's going to be another two weeks until he returns. We did hear some positive things around him moving well and doing some on-court stuff in terms of his running. We saw some great tweets from him in the uh, in the Sixers game talking some trash to Joel Embiid. He didn't want it to be going so long, all the free throws, all that sort of stuff. But it's a somewhat of a positive update. You know, obviously it would have been better if it had been 10 days, seven days rather than two weeks. But I'll take this and I think that we're getting... This isn't the Nets of old where it's just like ramp up, ramp up, ramp up. We know there's going to be timelines because Kevin Durant wants there to be honest communication. And I think the thing that stuck out to me was this quote from Kevin Durant himself. Uh, this is via uh, at Lucas Kaplan underscore. Kevin Durant, I've been through I've been through three times someone falling on his legs. And pretty much every time I was in no man's leg, not guarding my man or not even in help position. I attribute all that to basically me not being locked in at that moment. Obviously, the two weeks upcoming is going to be positive, but I just really love the accountability and self-awareness of Kevin Durant. I aim to be that way, and I love just the the way that he's just like, man, I kind of like, I, I was a bit of a dickhead there. Like, I, I caused some of that, and to be like that is just a, it's an attribute that a lot of us should look in, be inward a, a bit more, but two weeks, not the best. Kevin Durant introspection, I love it, Nick. Yeah, I mean, the two weeks, like you said, Jack, not the best news, but definitely not the worst. And there was no setbacks or anything like that. And hopefully, you know, he'll be back maybe a little bit after the trade deadline. There's talk about it being pre-All-Star break. Maybe the Nets will be a little safe and go after All-Star break. We'll see how that all plays out. But like you said, you know, I thought Katie was probably being a little bit too hard on himself. You know, I think it's just like a situation that the Jimmy Butler one was a little bit of a weird fall from Butler. And then also going back to last year against the Pelicans, I thought he was actually in okay position to help. It was just more so bad luck. But, you know, Katie's going to analyze it and take as much accountability as he possibly can in every situation. And as a fan, you appreciate that from your superstar. And I think his teammates have to appreciate that as well. 
No, absolutely. It really sets the tone. And I think the Nets have been playing well enough of late to, to continue to have their heads a little bit above water because of how incredible Clax and Kyrie have been. Yep. Hopefully we can continue to get some role play performance like Seth and Utah and hopefully Joe and, and maybe Royce here or there like he's done a, a few times. But Nick, the next schedule, I think that that's probably a good way to sort of end the Kevin Rand conversation. We don't need to dive too deep into it. We did on a previous episode. You can jump into that one. But they've got the Pistons, obviously, by the time this comes out, that game might be over. The Knicks, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Wizards, the Clippers, the Suns, and then, you know, the Bulls and, and the Sixers again. Uh, and then a couple more games in, in the Knicks and the Heat before the All-Star break. A lot of games that I threw, threw in there. The only question I guess I'll ask you, do you think that the Nets can be above 500, you know, maintain a, say, let me take a look at how many games are, but can they be above 500, 500 throughout that stretch? I mean, there's a chance. I think it's more likely they'll be 500. You know, you look at that, maybe they beat the Pistons, maybe they beat the Knicks, the Lakers, fall to the Celtics, beat the Wizards. Clippers is going to be a tough matchup. I think they have a chance because the Clippers are a very sporadic team. But beating Phoenix on February 7th will be tough because I think Devin Booker should be back at that time. And they're looking to make up for lost ground. And then after that, you get some tough matchups. So ideally... I think you try to bring him back after Kevin Durant back after that Suns game, especially if you're just at 500. If you maybe steal a game and you can get one game above 500, I think you can try to extend that a little bit longer just if you need because, you know, we've mentioned it before. Last year, there was a lot of rumblings that KD wasn't 100% when he came back and that knee injury still lingered in the playoffs. And this year, you know, a better team, uh, a real shot at competing this season for a championship, you want him to be 100%. And going from maybe two or three in the standings down to number five is not the end of the world. It's not ideal, but it's not going to be the reason you don't win a championship. Yeah. Before the Sixers game, the Nets are only one game behind them. You know, the Celtics seem to be increasing, you know, their little buffer there, but I think the Nets, if they can be, you know, that stretch of nine games, four and five, I, w- I would take, but you know, they, they, they've surprised us in some of the wins that they've, they've done and they've surprised us in some of the performances. There's, there's some performances that they have performed subpar in. So, It'll be anyone's guess, you know, that that game against the the Bulls would be a good one, you know, maybe one or two games or three games before. You know, my prediction is that he'll probably come back for that Sixers game, you know, and he has the Sixers, the Knicks, uh, and the Heat before the All-Star break, which he wants to be a part of because he basically instituted the the new mode of of picking with the the All-Star draft. He's spoken into existence. But any final KD thoughts, Nick, before we get to an interesting news drop right before the Sixers game with Kyrie Irving and his contract? Yeah, I think just I probably would love if KD didn't play in the All-Star game, but obviously he wants to do that. He's committed to being on the court as much as possible. But let's get to the Kyrie news, which happened before a primetime matchup on ESPN, which I think adds a little flavor to it. It does. And I think the timing of it is like, what is the message that Kyrie and his, and his agent are trying to, to send here? And, you know, Chris Haynes does always does great reporting around, you know, Kyrie Irving as well as Kevin Durant uh, of late. You know, he's this is what his agent, Shatilia Irving, did say. Uh, around Kyrie and staying with the Nets, I've reached out to the Nets regarding this. We have had no significant conversations to date. The desire is to make Brooklyn home with the right type of extension, which means the bull is in the Nets court to communicate now if their desire is the same. I guess the two questions that I would ask you, Nick, is one, do you do this mid-season? And two, 
it, it do, like what is the nature of the extension that you give Kyrie Irving and what is the likelihood of, of this sort of happening? We could do a whole podcast about this. Unfortunately, we don't have the time, but where do you stand on those questions? Yeah, I think the most important thing from the quote is the right type of extension. That obviously says a lot depending on what Kyrie is looking for. I think for Kyrie, you do it right now because you're playing in elite you know, level of basketball. You're having one of your best stretches and you're proving to the Nets like, hey, I deserve that contract and I'm showing up when Kevin Durant's not here. I think the Nets have to consider it just to provide a little bit of safety. But at the same time, you understand why they wouldn't because, you know, what happens if there's another incident with Kyrie for whatever reason and now he's off the court? Do you feel like you're giving it out too soon? And I think both sides could probably agree it'd be more likely Kyrie gets a long-term contract at the end of the season if everything goes well. And that's not even just a championship. That's him just having a successful year. Then if they did it right now, I think the Nets still would just have a little bit of nerves in regards to that and probably not offer anything more than like two years. Yeah, this is um, reported from Chris Haynes as well. Irving is in the final year of his deal. If an extension cannot be reached, he would become an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year and is expected to have ample interest from around the league. I think that Look, we saw that's La- a boost right there. <laughs> that's definitely a boost from getting the source, from putting the article out there, yeah. from timing it in, in the way that he did. Because I do think Kyrie Irving would have better interest than he did last offseason with the way that he's played, the consistency, and just the all round you know dominance that he has shown. He will be eligible for a max extension of four years and roughly two hundred million. My I know you know my thoughts on this, Nick, because I, I spouted this out last offseason when we were having so many different discussions about Kyrie and KD. I always said, align Kyrie Irving's extension with Kevin Durant's extension. Kevin Durant's extension ends 25-26. I think that's the final year of his deal. Give him a three-year extension, max it, put some incentives in there, whatever you want to do. They... They didn't force Kyrie Irving to sort of find his own sort of you know, team to sort of work with in the offseason. I just think it makes the most sense. I think it aligns Kyrie Irving, gives him a semblance of comfort. It also aligns, it, it, it gives the organization a sense of comfort. It gives Kevin Durant a sense of comfort. And let's just get this thing going. And look, do you get him to prove it? Get him to do it for a, a longer period of time? Because already this season we have seen him do some of the stuff that he's been known to do in terms of some of his antics off the court. But he's also an, an incredible on-court pro- product and an incredible philanthropic person as well. You know, he's doing billions and billions of GoFundMes. His philanthropic efforts should not be un, un, unrecognized. And we continue to do that. And we could do a whole podcast about that. But focusing on the contract stuff, Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I naive to think it's just as simple as that, Nick? Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty simple because if you're not going to do that, now Kevin Durant may be uneasy and look to leave Brooklyn. We've talked about this a million times. If Kevin, if Kyrie Irving leaves in free agency, the Nets have no way to replace his talent. Even in a sign-and-trade scenario, you typically are getting you know 25 cents or 50 cents on a dollar and not receiving a star player back. So, And the way Ben Simmons has played, it's not like there's another all-star on the roster. And if there is, it's Nick Claxton. So Kyrie has to be here if Kevin Durant is going to be here because that gives you a real opportunity to create a contending team. Who do you think like if the advantage is towards in terms of the Nets organization, Sean Marks, Josiah, and Kyrie Irving? Because it's gone both ways over a period of probably 12 to 18 months. Who do you think has the strongest standing right now? Yeah, I think um, probably... Kyrie, if he continues to play this way the rest of the season, just because he'll leave a fresh taste in everyone's mouth of like, hey, I'm still one of the best guards in the league. I can lead a team to an extent or at least for a stretch. And I could probably be your number one scoring option. Maybe I can't be your best player, but I could be, you know, 
really, really good and at least probably be a number two, especially if he has a couple big postseason games. I think that'll put the ball in his court and that'll leave the Nets in a situation where they could lose him. So think of you the Nets. You you don't want to play play it the way you played it last year. You know, you don't want to play on that slippery slope. I think you want to commit to him earlier than later just so you can move forward and, you know, have a commitment of this being your team. Yeah, the Nets have to be all in on KD and Kyrie. It's yep. as simple as that. Kevin Durant is aging. He's only going to be so good for so many years. And towards the end of his extension, while I would not put any limits on Kevin Durant, he's only going to you know ascend downwards in terms of his production. Kyrie Irving, meanwhile, like he's playing some of the best basketball of his career. And some people saying like you know I wouldn't give up Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway, and Dwight Powell for him in a, in a trade package. Incredibly short-sighted, but. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Speaking of trades, Nick, let's jump right into it because we heard a lot of stuff over the past couple of days, including the fact that the Nets are shopping Patty, Seth, and Joe. We mentioned this a little bit on the Sixers recap in in regards to that. We've heard also similar conflicting reports in weeks past and months past about Patty not being likely to move, Joe not being likely to be moved. Now we're getting these refreshed new reports. How do you feel about them? Yeah, I felt like this was probably maybe a little bit of speculation that they're going to be shopped. But I think we know Joe Harris has been involved in trade rumors already. You know, he's been connected to John Collins and, you know, Seth Curry. Uh, his contract has been mentioned in trade rumors, I think, all the way back to the draft last year. So that's not really a surprise. I think the Patty one being mentioned is something to think about. Um, obviously, we would love for that to happen. I don't know how truthful it is. But these are the guys you're looking at because 
there's a reason why they're in the trade rumors. You know, their role in the team is very inconsistent. They are liabilities in their own way. And the Nets need to make an upgrade. And these guys have movable contracts. And they also have skill sets that can fit in with a lot of NBA teams because everyone's always looking for three-point shooting, even at different levels from, you know, bench starter to even, you know, Patty, which would be after your 10th man. Yeah, you've asked on Twitter a couple of times about ranking the Nets assets and we've discussed it a little bit as well on different trade episodes. And you you look at what you know Patty Mills is making is on the mid-level exception in that five to six million dollar range. He's probably a, a, a negative asset because he hasn't produced for the Nets. He's a positive asset if you're Ben Simmons' best friend, but he's mm-hmm. a negative asset in terms of, you know, unless you're San Antonio and you, you want to bring him back for, you know, some fringe guy, Doug McDermott or, or whatever else. I feel else like uh, his best value is as a leader for a tanking team or something like that or someone that can kind of set the tone. I, I think it'd be hard to see him playing any playoff minutes anywhere in the NBA. I.e. the San Antonio Spurs, his yeah. former team, and, and Pop does love him as well. But when it comes to Seth and Joe, you know, Seth has been moved around so much, whether it's Dallas or it's Philadelphia, and now with obviously uh, Brooklyn. You know, he he's fit well in all of those places. Like he is produced in all of those places. You know, postseason defense, you know, all that sort of stuff. Maybe you can make some arguments here or there, but you know, his contract is is very, very team friendly. It's an expiring deal, nine to nine to sort of ten million dollars. Are the Nets willing to to pay him in the offseason? I don't know. Joe Harris is on like eighteen, nineteen million dollars in the next couple of years. Who's on a worse, better contract? Who would you rather have? That's a discussion maybe worth having quickly, Nick. You know, Joe or Seth, who do you think, as of this point, you know, we to put people behind the scenes, we recorded this one just after that Sixers game where Seth Curry was incredible. Joe hasn't really produced any positive, you know, really great games this year, whereas Seth has at least had a couple of outlandish performances. Does that stand out to you more, Nick, than maybe like the consistency, the spacing, the six seven size? Even though Joe's defense has been pretty goddamn putrid of late as well, uh, what's the discussion around those two? Yeah, I think it's there's some differences just from the contract. You know, obviously Seth gives you a level of flexibility because he isn't expiring. That might be more enticing to a bad team. You know, a team who just wants a salary to to fit in a trade. Or Seth could fit in a championship team because he could give you that scoring punch and that three-point shooting. And I don't think his number will be insane. And if you trade for him, I believe you will get his bird rights as well. So you could extend him with his future team. Joe Harris, I think now it's becoming you know, potentially a bad contract because of how poor he's really played. And he does have another year. So it's not like he's locked up until 25, 26. He expires 23, 24 at 19.9 million. So I think... Joe is more of just kind of a salary filler at this point, and it's hard to see a team really excited to trade for him because of his lack of production after both ankle surgeries. And there's a a fair concern of will he ever be the same player, and I'm not sure he will. Yeah, it's a uh, it's one that is a bit disappointing to to, to see from a guy who's been a, a massive Joe Harris stand. But we'll have to wait and see how that does pan out. Whether those guys are in packages, but players surrounding the Nets, Nick. The most recent rumor has surrounded Nas Reed, and that was brought up by Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. He's been incredible for the Minnesota Timberwolves, especially in games where Rudy Gobert's been absent. He's been outplaying him in in some of those games, and he's been you know really really productive. You know, he's in seven games as a starter this year. He's averaged 15.4 points and 6.4 boards per game. Overall, 10.2 points, 4.8 rebounds, one block, 
uh, in 41 games so far this year. His three-point percentage isn't as great as I thought it would be. I think it's around 32, 33% on about two, three attempts. Similar, if a little bit lesser than a guy like Mo Bamba, who I threw out there in you know, the discussion between those two. But I think Nas Reed would be a, a really nice addition. I think he's got ties to New Jersey and, and, and the neighborhood around Brooklyn and, 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 and New York in general. And I think he's been a really productive player. And I think you could play him alongside Clax or you can stagger those minutes a little bit. I, I don't hate it at all. And I think he's on a very, very, very easy deal to sort of like, you throw in Cam Thomas a couple of seconds and then you can get the deal done. 1.9 million for Nas Reed. So you actually don't even need to trade a player for Nas Reed because the Nets have a trade exception of, of 2.5 million. So they could just squeeze him right into there. Obviously, they'd have to offer open up roster space, but they could potentially do that in another trade. I think that's what's exciting about Nas Reed is the Nets could still add a quality piece. Maybe someone we'll talk about in a little bit. And then as add Nas Reed as that backup center. And he also provides you a different skill set. I think his mobility has been pretty good defensively this season as well. He just checks a lot of boxes. And also, as mentioned by people on Twitter, he gives you a solid free throw shooter at the center position, which is a concern with Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons. So Nas would be a great fit. Obviously, you need to be prepared to sign him in the offseason. But he could be a perfect combination with him and Claxton moving forward because he provides you more physicality and toughness than a Clax does in terms of stature. Yeah, Nas Reed as well. Like as you alluded to, I, I like him in, in the sort of Nets defensive scheme. I think he's a, a good sort of switch guy. Um, and you know, he's still you know not very old either. He's 23 as well. You have Nas Reed and Nick Claxton going forward. The Nets center position is is pretty set. Pretty it's set. And, and in terms of the free throw shooting, 69.1 percent. You know, last season 76.5. So around that sort of 70 percent plus mark, you know, you can easily keep him out there. You know, and Clax has been working on his free throws. He, he's yep. going to get there. I, I have trust in and faith in Clax. He's he's in, uh, an absolute weapon and absolute force. So look, if the Nets could get Nas Reed and you know maybe Boyan Bogdanovich, because a lot of the names that we've spoken about on previous trade episodes, you know, you know OG Ananobi and you know, Kyle Kuzma, maybe Jeremy Grant, these guys are seeming less and less likely. But we at least know that a guy like Boyan is on the table. Apparently, it's going to require an unprotected first. I think adding a wing as well as Nas Reed or even just adding Nas Reed, you know, just getting an addition to this roster and to the quality of the rotation would be positive. But any thoughts on Boyan or those other names I alluded to, Nick, about, you know, their status and the Nets possibly getting them? Yeah, I think uh, those guys would be ideal. You know, Jeremy Grant, OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma, those were the guys we've mentioned. They'd be great fits. Um, it seems like Grant and Kuzma aren't going to be moved. And OG is just in a weird spot because it seems like he wants to be traded, but the Toronto is asking for a ridiculous package that probably isn't going to come through. So it seems unlikely he's going to be moved. So if you're committed to adding a quality player and you just want to add a really good basketball player, I think Boyan Bogdanovich makes a lot of sense. And I've been thinking about it in the sense of, you know, Boyan obviously has defense defensive deficiencies, but he also can do things similar to what you ask Royce O'Neal in terms of guarding sometimes bigger forwards and slower guys. I saw be better than Joe, I think. Yeah, I saw actually a defensive metric that last season he was pretty good at defending power forwards. He wasn't good at defending guards or small forwards, and he was okay against centers. So he has some strength to him. He has a little bit of toughness, and he would give you an offensive weapon and also somebody who would help throughout the rest of the regular season because you can win games with Kevin Durant and Boyan Bogdanovich and Kyrie getting rest or Kyrie and Boyan and Nick Claxton, you know, winning you a game. So I think it makes sense if you're committed to adding a quality player. You know, obviously he's he's not going to be the perfect player, but he gives you another skill set, another scoring option, 
Christian, a really good three-point shooter, and somebody who's had some pretty good clutch moments. And even last year in the playoffs, he stepped up against Dallas and had a really good defensive game against Luka and Jalen Brunson, in which he picked him up baseline to baseline. As you can see, I've been doing my research on Boyan, just getting... Getting him to this team, I think if he's the best player you can acquire and all it takes is one of those future draft picks, I think you probably just throw it in so you have a chance to push to that next level. Yeah, bring him back to BK. You know, yeah. Brooklyn Nets, great Boyan Bogdanovich. And <laughs> look, I, I'm not sure of the likelihood because I think that there will be some other teams that might be willing to throw a, a bit more. Maybe they're better first rounders to to throw Detroit's way. But the Nets do have some history with Detroit. You know, some of them has been you know positive and negative. You know, they got Sadiq Bay. You know, for Landry Shaman and that sort of deal. Um, that that was uh, done a, a little bit. Maybe it's a ago. bigger trade with Sadiq Bay because he's been another guy mentioned in trade rumors. Maybe yeah that you can get something creative. Bro, if you could get Sadiq Bay and 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 Nas Reed, you know, you're getting two young guys, you know, youngish guys and you know that could you could have on the rise. And yes, Boyan is the the best player of the three and would contribute the most in the postseason. But I still think that, you know, Sadiq Bay or Nas Reed can be in an eight, nine man rotation come the postseason. I think both both of those guys have shown enough in their young careers to be able to contribute at a at a positive level when get the game start to matter. So look, I, I guess before we move on to a couple of other names, Nick. What is the likelihood of, of Boyan or the Nets adding an upgrade at a position like the wing, where you know we know it's a wings league? Kevin Durant has has said that a million plus times, but Kyle Kuzma seems to be probably going to get the bag from Washington, and Jeremy Grant has been linked to the Nets in the past, but I don't know what Portland's going to do. And OG Ananobi, despite you know conflicting rumors, would would require the greatest package, which I don't think the Nets do have. But, you know, some people have said... The Nets actually in. probably have the package, but they wouldn't include the player. You know, we talked about it. It'd be yeah. Clax. Yeah. And, and Clax now is so good on the Nets and fits so well that you wouldn't want to put him in that trade. So, you know, I think the package is there, but it's not a move that you'd want to make. You're not sure that move would make you a better basketball team. So... I, I think uh, Boyan would be probably, or John Collins, who's been tied to the Nets again. But I think Boyan, you can see him fit in a little bit nicely and has more of a versatile offensive skill set of being another creator, where a lot of the other guys would just give you some more role player qualities where, you know, I don't want to say Boyan's a fringe all-star, but he's probably just a nod below that at this point in his career. Yeah, he's been like Detroit's probably yeah. best player in the absence of Cade Cunningham. Now he's getting the third worst, uh, the third best defender instead of the first best defender where he's been getting in Detroit this season, especially with Cade Cunningham being out. Yeah, he's been you know, really, really good. Before we get to some buyout sort of fringe guys, Nick, and, and finish the conversation, the John Collins discussion, I'm, I'm starting to rethink some of it with Joe's poor form. Obviously, John Collins hasn't had the best form this year either. Do you, in, if Atlanta reconsiders and goes, you know what, John Collins isn't going to be here long term. Trey doesn't like him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We'll take Joe, sweeten something up. We'll swap some picks, whatever it might be. Do you do it? I think you consider it. I think if you're really just committed to adding a good basketball player to your team, John Collins adds something. And I think maybe there's maybe more intrigue to him and Clax fitting on the floor where it's hard to see maybe him and Ben. Um, I think it would just be like, do you really want to, you know, go in with your first round pick this season for John Collins or would you be better off holding it for the offseason? If you can do it without including a first round pick, maybe it's, you know, Joe Harris, Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, and they're just sick of John Collins. Yeah, pull the trigger on that. But if you have to include the first, I think you definitely have to think about that long and think about the fit and consider, is it worth going all in for a player like that when you have such limited assets moving forward? 
In terms of other guys around surrounding the Nets, Nick, we've heard Will Barton as a possible buyout candidate. Uh, the Nets have been linked to. He's doing some things in Washington. I don't hate that. And Serge Ibaka as a possible target as well. Either of those guys making any contributions to the Nick to the Nets, sorry, in a meaningful way come the postseason. I think Will Barton makes a ton of sense if you're looking to move Seth and or Joe. You know, if you pull one of those guys at your rotation, you can add a Will Barton who can give you some major offensive pop, a ball handler. He's not having a very good season, but he's also playing in a situation that's less than ideal. So I'd be interested in Will Barton, especially, like I mentioned, if they move on from Seth and Joe and you have a guard spot open. I think Serge looks like he doesn't have anything left in the tank, but we did say the same thing about Blake Griffin. So maybe Serge comes in and can give you maybe a little something, or he's just a guy at the end of your rotation giving you, you know, a center to throw out there if Clax gets in foul trouble against, you know, a la Joel Embiid. Yeah, when it comes to Will Barton, you know, he is a bucket getter by, by nature, you know, aging, you know, in his age 32 season, certainly not producing to what he's produced in the past where he's getting meaningful time in Denver. But, you know, he can shoot the three ball pretty goddamn well, you know, he shoots at a decent volume as a, a, a two. So, yeah, as you alluded to, if the Nets were to lose a Seth to, to lose, and, and the Nets are always there when it comes to the buyout market. And look, if it means just adding Surge just because, you know, him and Katie want to do some content together on their podcast and YouTube channel. Look, just just add that guy because I think he'd be a better guy to have than Dayron Sharp, Mills. Hattie Mills, you know, the, the, all those sort of guys in, in on the roster. So, look, I don't think either of them are going to change the world. I think Will Barton has a greater skill set to be able to do so. But, yeah, just if you're looking to fill out the roster and the Nets make a couple of moves here or there which free up some roster spots, adding in, adding in guys like that couldn't hurt. Yeah, I think Will Barton, could, you could see in a playoff game, come in for three minutes, knock down a couple of shots and have an 8-0 run. You know, and that's a real possibility. And again, he wouldn't win you a championship, but he could have maybe meaningful moments if he can get back on track. And Serge, like I said, it's probably more of, is there any gas in the tank? Could he have some magical moments in Brooklyn with his boy KD? Maybe, but it doesn't seem super likely. But Jack, I'm sure we're going to jump into some more stuff on another trade episode. Any final thoughts for out of here? Uh, just it seems more and more likely that the Nets are going to make a move, Nick. It'll be interesting to see what our emergency pod, and hopefully it's at a time that both of us can record. But hopefully that time comes sooner rather than later, especially with Kevin Durant being out for another couple of weeks. Hopefully Sean gets keeps um, keeps making those phone calls. Yeah, hopefully we do get a trade. Big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.